0: We're really excited to uh, continue, or to start rather, not continue at all, but to start again Sinai the Sailorville in a, a new series. Hopefully uh, you grabbed one of those papers in the back of the schedule for this fall through December. Uh, I want to just draw your attention to that, talk to you a little bit about that as we get going, and uh, just say uh, we're really excited to be able to do what this says at the top here from Second Peter 3.18. We want to help us in our efforts to be more like Jesus, to grow in grace and grow in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So if you're going to grow in knowledge, you better be growing in grace, and if you're growing in grace, you better be growing in knowledge. Both go hand in hand as we grow in Christ and find out more about Him. We learn more about who He is, and as we do so, we become more gracious and we grow in Him in sanctification. So that is our desire on Sunday night, sanctification being growth in Christ. That's what we want to do. So if you look at that first one there, we're starting a three-week series tonight called The Pursuit of Happiness. Myself, along with John Nimmers, will be teaching that. Uh, He's our current intern here all the time and we're excited to uh for you to hear from him also working part-time for the run to me foundation check that out if you don't uh, haven't checked that out yet but we'll be doing that together for the month of september and then october we we've been talking about how we want to make sunday nights better how we want to make them more enhanced for you with targeted teaching you're going to start seeing that in the month of october So we're going to have three different options for you um, to be able to choose from that you'll go through throughout the building here and have an opportunity to hear a specific teaching that interests you the most. Uh, Myself, along with Jim Grant, a member here. Is Jim out there? Raise your hand, Jim. You out there? It's good of you to come tonight, Jim. I'm glad you're teaching. (laughs) All right. Jim, if you see him and you know him, tell him you're excited for his module. Uh, yeah, we're going to be teaching, the, my, our module is going to be called the Ology module, which is, the, uh, we're going to go through all the ologies, that is a study of doctrine in the Bible over a two years' time, and if you go through that with us, you'll be able to know and go through all the systematic theologies that come out of the Bible. Uh, Preston Young, who is in South Africa right now, and also uh, the director, the, prop, the uh, managing director of Um, where's he directing at? Freedom for you. Thank you, everybody. He is awesome, provided the coffee tonight. Uh, He's going to be doing a workshop that I think is going to be really helpful to many of us called When Helping Hurts. So he works a lot with uh, people who are in need, and he's going to be talking about from the Word of God, what does it look like to help the poor and the needy around us without hurting the poor and without hurting yourself at the same time. So that's going to be a really helpful and beneficial workshop. And then Sarah Moulton, who is the leader of our women's ministry team, she's going to be going through, for women only, uh, a study through the book of Ruth. So that's going to be coming up in October, which we're really excited about. October 28th, we're going to have a fall community, all church service project. We're working on that, looking forward to that, showing up here, working together to uh, be a light in the community here in Sailorville. And then you'll see if you just go on, I won't talk through all of these, but if you look down, lastly... On December 16th, we've moved our Shine Children's Christmas program to end out the year. So that's what's going to be happening on December 16th, and we'll be rolling out a whole bunch of new series and a bunch of new modules for the rest of the springtime. Got some exciting teachers lined up for that, and we'll have more information about that as it goes on. So as we continue in uh, Sunday nights at Sailorville tonight, let me pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll dive into God's Word together. So let's pray. God, it is our desire to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We want to do that well. We want to learn about you so we know correctly how to worship you, how to relate to you, and how you relate to us. We don't want that to just stop in the head, but to put it into our hearts and to go out with our hands and our feet and put it into practice, Lord. So may what we learn here on Sunday nights, in whatever venue here at the church, that we would take it to heart and live it out in the power of the Holy Spirit together as the body of Christ. So I pray you'd bless us tonight. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Well, if you got a Bible with you, make your way to Isaiah chapter 48. Make your way to Isaiah chapter 48. We'll be there in just a couple of moments. But I was in uh, Washington, D.C. this summer and had the opportunity to look at the Declaration of Independence, and I could see ever so slightly, although it was very worn and very uh, hard to read, The Pursuit of Happiness in the National Archives. And as I walked away from there and as I dwelled on that, obviously the pursuit of happiness as part of our foundation of our country is not that everyone will achieve the happiness that they desire or look for, but they are allowed to pursue it. And I asked myself, is it okay or is it right for a Christian to be happy? Is it okay, is it right for a Christian to be happy? Okay, I know sometimes it just works out that way in God's sovereignty. He brings upon prosperity in our lives, and that's all fine and good, and we celebrate that. But, is it okay and right for a Christian to pursue happiness? We're told all the time throughout the scriptures, and you hear it a lot, and we'll be talking about in our series, Joy, that joy is not a feeling, but is a choice, something that we choose. We hear about that a lot. You've heard of you've grown up in church, and maybe if you've been around for a while, you hear that yes, we're supposed to be joyful. We can jump in our rain boots in the puddles, and in the midst of the rain, we can find joy. But if we're not careful, we can almost feel guilty about pursuing happiness, I think. Like, that's not, that's not for Christians to do. That's only in the next life, the one that is to come. But what about pursuing pleasure, pursuing delight? Is that a biblical pursuit? Is it okay to jump in the sun like you see pictured behind me? I'm gratefully and indebted to many men that have brought this out, Piper and Edwards and others, Chandler and others, that shed light on what God has written in his scripture. From the books that I've read in my life, uh, Desiring God and Let the Nations Be Glad, men have helped me to see what is already in the word of God and have drawn that out for us. Draw me to scriptures such as Psalm 34, verse 7, where it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 67, verse 4 says, Let the nations sing for joy. Let the nations be glad. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Or Psalm sixteen, eleven, says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand... Our pleasures forevermore. So let me submit to you that God is not concerned only about your choices, but He's also concerned about our feelings. He's also concerned about our emotions. He wants us to delight in Him. Those are emotional texts. And I know we all express emotion differently, but God does desire us to be emotional and to pursue pleasure and joy and happiness in this life. So let me tell you that it's not only an option as a believer to pursue pleasure and happiness, but it's our duty to do so. So if that's the case, then why are so many people unhappy? Well, we could easily say that the problem then is sin. That's why people are unhappy. That's the obvious reason. But let me submit to you from C.S. Lewis that the problem is our desire for pleasure is not strong enough. Let me say that again. Our desire for pleasure is not strong enough. We are far too easily satisfied. We give up too easily by settling for pleasures that do not last or are fleeting. I mean, listen to this joy, to this this excitement that Peter expresses in 1 Peter 1, chapter 8. He's speaking of Jesus and he says, though you don't see him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible, filled with glory. So if the ultimate delight and happiness comes from the one that we can't see, the one that we believe in, then we need to know what he's all about. What is God all about, and what is he doing in this life? Have you ever worked for an employer that didn't really tell you what he's all about and what he's expecting for you? How fun is that for anybody? Is anybody happy with that? No, it's It's horrible. I remember working at a golf course, and I got like 10 minutes of training, and then I was left alone for the rest of the night. And I'm like, please don't let the phone ring. Please don't let the phone ring. Because I didn't know any of the expectations. But God tells us who he is in his word. and It's important to know what's God doing. What's he all about, and what is he ultimately after in this life? And if we can understand God's ultimate aim and pursue that, that's how we can find true happiness and flourishing in this life. Well, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, that is, if catechism is a little bit of a lost art in our uh, circles, maybe it's not a lost art, it was a never found art, perhaps. Uh, but if you know what a catechism is, it's to help children understand the Word of God. What is God all about? So you start by asking a question. And then giving an answer from the word of God. And the first question that many of you are familiar with, you probably heard before in the shorter catechism is, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's what we're all about. That's why we're here. But if you ever wondered, what is the chief end of God? What is God all about? What is his end? I'll submit to you tonight, listen to this closely. God's chief end is to glorify himself and enjoy his glory forever. God's chief end is to glorify himself and to enjoy his glory forever. Isaiah 48, verses nine through 11. This is what it says. For my name's sake... I defer my anger for the sake of my praise. I restrain it for you that I may not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I've tried you in the furnace of affliction for my sake. Everybody say for my sake, for my own sake. He repeats it again. I do it for how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. God is speaking here through Isaiah. And in these three verses, he says, for my name sake if you have a verse that i've given to you earlier already tonight you can make your way up front here that would be great men and women that have verses that you will read but he says in these short three verses five times for my sake the sake of my name i will do these things and then he wraps it up by declaring i'm not going to share my glory with anybody he will have his due glory, his fame, everybody down front here, please, sorry. And there's not really a rhyme or reason or order, so go ahead, who's ever first, read your verse in just a moment, and then you'll sit down, all right? But his, his, his goal here is that God's name would be honored and that he would, his glory would be known throughout the whole earth. And this is really what God is doing from beginning to the end of the Bible, is making his name known and making his glory renowned throughout the whole earth. I'm going to have some ladies and gentlemen read here in just a moment, and we're reading the word of God, so read it with passion, right? And we're going to listen in to the inspired word of God and what he is doing in the world. So we'll start here with Scott, go ahead. Earth will be filled with the knowledge of the word of the glory of God, as the waters cover the sea. Habakkuk two fourteen. For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. Romans eleven thirty six. When Jesus had spoken these words. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. John 17, 1. Amen. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Isaiah 42, verse 8. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. 1st Samuel 12:22. He saved them for his name's sake, that he might make known his mighty power. Psalm 106:8. I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Isaiah 43, 5. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in his Son. John fourteen thirteen. When he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints, and to be marveled at among all who have believed, because our testimony to you was believed. 2 Thessalonians 1.10 There I will meet the people of Israel, and it shall be sanctified by my glory. Exodus 29.43 And the city has no need of the sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the la- Lamb. Revelation 21.23 Glory in his holy name let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice 1st Chronicles 16:10 But I acted for the sake of my name that it should not be profaned in the sight of the nations in whose sight I had brought them out Ezekiel 20:14 For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David 2nd Kings 19:4 And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over the Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Exodus fourteen eighteen. I knew Arlen brings some levity to it. Just, I love that. A, oh man! He that is last will be first. Oh wait, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he restores my soul. <laughs> He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Amen. Amen. Give these guys a hand. Wow. So you see, all throughout the scriptures, God is passionate for his glory from beginning to end. And he tells us time and time again why does he do things? For the sake of his glory and for the sake of his Name. I want to just draw just a couple of those that were read to you. The first one is Psalm 23, verse 3. Let's just recite from verse 1 together. Ready? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. God, our shepherd, we need nothing else, right? He makes us to lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. He restores our soul. He leads us in the paths of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake. He does it for himself, for his glory, and we get the benefits of the great shepherd. Habakkuk 2:14 said his plan is to fill the earth with his glory as the waters cover the sea Now I was on a, a trip with my wife this last uh, summer We saved up some money and we were able to go on a, a cruise together And I had never been out on the ocean where there was water on one side And you walk to the other side of the ship and there was water on that side too And you know what I found? Water covers the sea. Sea is water, and water is sea. So what is Habakkuk saying here? He says, at the end of time, God's plan, he's moving in a direction where God's glory, everyone will know it, and it will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. It will be so pervasive that it will be everywhere. Revelation 21 verse 23 that was read as well in talking about the end when God sets up the new Jerusalem, there will be no need for sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives light to it and its lamp is the lamb. It's been pointed out before you think about how much are we dependent upon the sun for life. If the sun goes away, everything is done. If it's moved away or moved closer, everything is done. But here we're told at the end, there's not going to be any need for the sun. We're not going to have to have it anymore because the glory of God will be the light, the source that we need. Now, to some of us, this may sound selfish, doesn't it? that God is all about himself. He's all about his glory. Perhaps it might even sound egotistical to be all about yourself and all about your glory. John Piper says, if you're hearing this for the first time, it might sound like, you're get, like you just got hit with a fruit truck. Right? Would that hurt? Big old truck full of fruit, right? Hit you right in the face. Would that hurt? Yeah, you betcha. Now sometimes if you haven't heard the Bible this way, right, you get a Mack truck right in the face full of fruit, right, and you're on the ground, bleeding profusely everywhere, but then at the same time, a piece of fruit rolls out next to your hand, and you reach out and grab it, you take a bite of it, and you realize this is the greatest fruit I've ever had. But it took the impact of the truck for you to realize that, right? And so sometimes there's things about the Bible where we like to have a character about what we want God to be, right? I want to be really authentic in my life, and I want to be open, honest, and real, but I don't want God to be authentic in the scriptures. I want a character of what I want God to look like and what I want him to be, but this is how God says this is what I'm all about for my glory and for my name, and if you can grasp it, If you can understand that, it's like you found the choicest fruit after being hit by that truck, and everything will make sense. Because what we need to understand, Sailorville, is that happiness doesn't start with us and then adding God to it. Happiness starts with God. Now we can often get these things turned around as one writer says, we like to think of ourselves as being on the varsity team. That's what we've been told our whole lives, right? We got participation awards. Uh, Maybe this is more the younger generation, right? That you have, whatever you put your mind to, you can do it. And it isn't uh, that the, the Bible teaches more of, it's not that you got cut from the team and then you came back and you ended up trying really hard and you won the state title with your team and it's a great hero story, that's your life. The Bible presents it more of, no, you got cut from the team and you never made it again because you stink. All right, that's the, uh, the, what the Bible starts out with about man and who God is. Now, we can subtly miss this in Christian music And in Christian books, oftentimes they start with a a me-centered theology and then maybe add God to it or God enhances you when really the Bible starts with God and then moves to us in light of who God is. I want to just play a, a song for you, and I don't want you to take offense to this if it's really impacted your life. I'm not saying that the song is trash. I'm not saying that the band who did it is trash, but I want to just help us be discerning. I want us to think about the things that we listen to and read. Are they putting our, a center first that starts with us that sounds really good? So here's the song. Let's go ahead and wa- li- read the lyrics as you go. Alright, so this song came out, it's a little bit older, you might not have heard it, but it's still played on the radio and things from time to time. Uh, it came out really at the the edge of, uh, right in the midst of me being a youth pastor, and all the kids are saying, you gotta listen to this song, it's awesome. And I listened to it, and I listened to the beginning, and I'm like, yeah, that's exactly right. Some, you know, sometimes people are struggling, sometimes people are are having a really hard time, but do you notice where it ends up? The emphasis is on me. The emphasis is on, I need to believe that I'm worth it, and Jesus, would you help me believe that I'm worth it? Now, that's really close, isn't it? That's really close. Spurgeon says, discernment is not only knowing what is right and wrong, but what is right and almost right. It is almost right. It's so almost spot on. But subtly, It's taking away the beauty of who God really is. That your worth and value comes from him. That he didn't have to save us. That he didn't have to. But because he's worthy, because he's infinitely beautiful, he does so anyway. That's the beauty of the gospel is that we're not worthy to have it. We're not saying, God, help me believe I'm worthy enough, but God, help me see that you are worthy and infinitely valuable and that you still love me anyway. That's when you start with God. Perhaps a better song is how marvelous when we're feeling down. How wonderful is my Savior's love for me? And that's why as a church, we want to be really careful that we sing songs that also start with God. So if you come to Paul and say, I want to sing a song, and maybe he doesn't sing it, it's not because he hates you. <laughs> well, that might, I don't know his heart, you know. <laughs> well, because we really want to, like the scriptures do, start with God. And we want to help you to be able to discern these things. The number one selling book on Amazon right now in the religious section, and some of you are reading it. Don't take offense. I'm trying to help you, okay, is Girl, Wash Your Face. And it's, everybody's talking about it on social media. But it, again, it starts with you. Here's some of the quotes from the book. You're meant to be the hero of the story. You should be the very first of your priorities, and there's some scripture thrown in with it. We need to be discerning that we start and we fill our minds and our lives where the scriptures start with God and then who we are in light of who he is. That's what the scriptures do. Psalm 42 verse five says, why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Why are you so down? So there's a real reality that there's times of, that we're down and we're struggling and what does the psalmist say? Hope in God. It doesn't say Get together, tell yourself, you got this, you're valuable, you can handle it. He says, hope in God. Start with God. So say, God, you've got this. You're valuable. You can handle it. I can't. My worth significance, I have it, and it comes from you. Help me to put all my trust in you. So how is this that God pursuing his own glory is the most loving thing that he can do for us? I mean, David Platt, I just heard him talking about this last week, and he says, imagine that you come up to your wife, and you say, honey, I've written a bunch of poems this week, and they're all about me. (laughs) I don't want you to read them. And let me tell you, you're going to have so much joy as you read these things, right? Right? It's like that sounds very, very selfish. For anyone else, it is, but not for God. Because giving you Himself is the most loving thing that He can do for you. He is giving us Himself, which is best for us, which will, if we are going to be happy, that is what ultimately is going to make Him happy, God Himself. So we are the beneficiaries of God's glory in the Trinity. It's kind of like one of the most loving things that I can do for my kids is to love their mom well. To love their mom really well, and the benefits of that, the kids grow, and they grow closer to us and to each other because mom and dad love each other really well. They get the benefits of it. And that's why God is so passionate about pursuing his own glory. He tells us all the time. He always chooses the weak of the world. I mean, look at why he chose Israel. His chosen people in Deuteronomy 7, verse 7. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you. So I chose to place my affection. I chose you, Israel, because you were the fewest of all people. Why? So that God gets the glory through it. Heard this from Platt as well. Think about the walls of Jericho. Now, there were a couple of significant ways that they could have destroyed the city of Jericho, right? They could have broken through the walls. They could have climbed over the walls, climbed under them. But instead, God says, you're going to walk around the walls. And then you know how the walls are going to fall? You're going to yell really loud. And then the guys are going to blow the trumpets after that, and the walls are going to come crumbling down. Now, after that happened, did everybody go and then praise the trumpet players? Like, Wow, really good blast, man. I think that was really what the foundations broke when that happened, right? No, nobody goes and praises the trumpet players because it's so ridiculous that that's how God did it. Why? So that he gets the glory. God's agenda is his glory, and it's for our joy. That's why he uses the weak to shame the strong. The great Southern Baptist preacher, A.W. criswell he's standing before a congregation of 6,000 people, and he says, I want everybody who has graduated at the top of your class to go ahead and stand up right now. Now those of you who have graduated second in your class, maybe third, if you can imagine, then he says, I'd like everybody who was an All-State athlete or an All-American athlete to go ahead and stand right now. Now in a congregation of 6000 people, that would be a good handful of people that are standing, right? Then Chris Wall turns and he says to all those that are standing, he says, "Here's the good news. God can use you." But the bad news is for you anyway, he's more likely going to use someone else who's sitting down. Because God gets the glory. You think about that in scripture with Gideon, the 12 apostles, David, people that nobody ever thought would be used. I mean, just think about uh, who is teaching in this uh, series and who taught this morning. Our pot smoking pastor, previously pot smoking pastor, right? (laughs) And then who's speaking next week? His son John, okay? I won't go into all the things that confess his sin to you. We'll let him do that, all right? Nobody looks and goes, Wow, those guys can be used greatly by God. Nobody expects that. Why? so that God gets the glory. Now, I'm a little bit of an exception. (laughs) I actually started as a sophomore in high school on the basketball team. It was the freshman team. (laughs) I barely graduated from high school, and now here you are all sitting up here listening to me, right? This is the goof up front. Why? Because God gets the glory. He says, this is who I've, I've, I've put there for my glory. And if you don't live for God's glory, you will never be happy, at least not long-term. If you don't pursue his glory, God himself, you will never have long-term sustained happiness because it's not what you were made for. You were made to live in the glory of God. There's also some bad news as well. If you don't live for God's glory, not only will you be unhappy, but you'll be eaten by worms. Look at Acts chapter 12, 22 and 23. The people were shouting, the voice of God and not a man. Talking about uh, Herod, who the people heard him give a speech, and they said, that's the voice of God. And immediately an angel fell on the Lord and struck him down, because he did not give God the glory and he's eaten by worms and he breathed his last so there's some serious repercussions for not living for the glory of God right no that's not necessarily going to happen to you but if you want to experience real true happiness in this life it will not happen apart from pursuing God making his name and his fame famous in your life so let me pr- just help, you, help us understand this just a little bit more by way of application this week. I want us to consider starting with God. Every day this week, starting with God. If all the scriptures start with God and then flow out of that, we should order our lives starting with God, being in his word, soaking up what his word says. But I want to give us a verse that I want us to memorize together as a church. A verse that I think we should memorize tonight, and if you don't have it memorized, put it above the ceiling, put it on the ceiling above your bed so that you see it when you wake up in the morning. And I want you to say this verse every day this week, before your conversations, before you go to work, before you go to school, whatever it is. this is what I want us to all memorize together. It's Psalm 90 verse 14. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. This is a a prayer from Moses that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Can we memorize that together? Take a picture of it. Go on the Bible app. Make a nice meme of it if you want to. Share it around. The guys in the back, I'm sure, can do that on our social media as well. But let's really commit to this together. In Psalm 90, verse 14, to memorize this. And start every day this week before our feet hit the ground from the bed. We quote this verse. If you're married, quote it with your spouse. If you have a dog, quote it to the dog. If you have a child, quote it to the child. Memorize it together as a family. Text it out to a friend daily. Whatever that is, let's get our hearts and our minds in a place where we start with God, that we'd be satisfied in Him in the morning, at the very beginning, so we'll rejoice and we'll be glad all our days. Next week, John is going to unpack the chief end of man, as we talked about tonight, that God's chief end is to glorify himself and enjoy his glory forever. And if we can grasp that, it'll change everything in your life. It's changed my life as I lived in such a way that was just, it's all about Brad and the gifts that he has, and then I add God to it. No, instead it says, I'm unworthy Unworthy of any of your affection, God, any of your grace, but you choose because of your worth to give it to me anyway, and so I worship you. Satisfy me in the morning with your steadfast love that I may rejoice and be glad all of my days. Let's pray together. God, I pray that we would grasp this that it would hurt for a moment as we let it sink in, that life is not about us. That we were made for the glory of another. Well sure, we feel that from time to time, our desire to have glory for ourselves and it's an ongoing struggle and battle. But God help us to see that we'll never have happiness. We'll never have true flourishing if we don't see you as the greatest object of happiness and joy and pursuing you and serving you, is how we find that, Lord. So I pray, God, that in this week that we would start with you, that we would look to you by putting our hearts in the right place with Psalm chapter 90, verse 14, that your steadfast love would truly satisfy us and make us glad all of our days. Not always successful, but glad. Not always perfect or doing awesome, but glad. Not having all of our things work out, but glad. God, to pray we pursue that together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.